Hi everyone, I'm Martin Tyler. You are listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. I hope you've all had a good bank holiday weekend. We've had a bank holiday bonanza full of goals, shocks and lots of action as well. And joining me, Luke Edwards, we've, we've more or less got the band back together this week. I've got Rob Worrell. Hiya, Rob. Hi, Luke. Hi, guys. And uh, Tom's not with us. Tom's taking it a week off. Tom Lang, that is. He's back watching his, uh, his dearly beloved player, Hockey. Uh, back with us after a while, it is Chris Pratt. And I know you've been suffering with COVID, so I hope you're feeling better as well, Chris. Welcome. Yes, thank you. Konnichiwa. Oh, konnichiwa. <laughs> yeah, of course you well, you've been out in the Olympics and everything. It's been an eventful few months for you, hasn't it? It has, Lee. Yeah, I've just come back to see who's going to win the marathon of the National League and who's going to be for the high jump. Hey. Oh, very good. <laughs> He's had all day to work on that one. He you? has. <laughs> yeah. Not like I've got anything to do, Chris, have you? Oh. <laughs> and also joining us it is Dickie Wharton. Hiya, Dickie. Hi, good evening. Uh, good to be in your company as ever. Yeah, we are recording this on Monday evening, so... Uh, as we speak, we've got Wrexham v Notts County on in the background. It's currently Wrexham 1, Notts County 1. Uh, so we'll keep you up to date and let you know the final score and give us our thoughts. We'll give our thoughts on that as well after the game. So what I'm going to ask you to do, guys, is if, if like me, you've not really been across everything this weekend, who, who's had a good bank holiday weekend? Certainly Bourne Wood, Rob, somebody you saw on Saturday. They've had a good weekend, haven't they? They have. They're one of three sides that have got maximum points and one or two sides that have got maximum points without conceding a goal yet. So uh, full credit to Luke Garrard uh, and his relatively small but high-quality uh, squad. Uh, they beat Aldershot uh, 1-0 on Saturday and they backed it up well uh, in a tricky tricky one on uh, uh, Bank Holiday Monday, going to Dover Athletic and getting the job done, uh, albeit via an own goal from Jake Goodman just before half-time. But, um, yeah, good habits, aren't they? Clean sheets and winning matches. And uh, um, I was able to catch up with Bournemouth manager Luke Garrard and also briefly with uh, winning goal scorer on Saturday, Jamal Fifield, after the game. How difficult is it to prepare for Dover, given two things, Luke? One, the lack of time, 48 hours, and two, the fact they haven't played a competitive game before this afternoon at Maidenhead. Yeah, so, listen, we, we, we have a a saying here or a term, win the next game. So I, I've not addressed or spoken to the group about Dover. That will be in my prep tomorrow. Um, fortunate, and fortunately enough for me, the team that FC Video that work here work at Maidenhead, so I've spoken to them about getting the copy over to me ASAP. So that'll be me with a beer and a curry over watching Dover tonight. Can't really clip it. It'll be a lot of vocal stuff on the board, but the, the analyst in Jordan who's come in and done a fantastic job will... They'll clip all the set plays and, yeah, like I said, they'll come in, they'll do their work, they'll go home, they'll recover. And we go to Dover off the back of two wins and two clean sheets. Jamal, a 1-0 win at home. You got your clean sheet, which you're always looking for, and you nipped in with a goal as well. Good afternoon. Yeah, it really was. Um, at the end of the day, that's what we're paid to do, defend the goal. Um, and obviously it's a team sport, so we can pop up with goals every now and again. Great, but we've had a good start to the season and um, hopefully we'll take that into Monday. Yeah, the games between the two sides last season were goal fests, weren't they? It was a 3-2 uh, maybe here and uh, three all at Aldershot. Different affair today. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, um, credit to the Gaffrey strength and uh, the back line. Um, and there's a lot more competition for places um, this year. So it's a case of um, keeping your shirt when you are, you are selected. Um, and I think that competition has, has shown today where everyone's just trying to um, try their best. Um, and as, I, as you said, it was a goal fest last year, but we're not trying to um, concede as many goals this year. And I think that's the one positive that we've gone into with the season this year. We've started off with two clean sheets. Um, that's what we've been working heavily on the training field. Now, Boreham would tend to go, if I'm, if I'm correct, if you'd agree, with a small but a good quality uh, playing squad. And it's important, of course, to keep players clear of injury and suspension as well. Um, that won't have been helped by four bookings on either side today, but didn't feel like that kind of match to me, did it to you? Um, it gets a bit testy at times. Um, I think Tom, the referee, did quite well um, in, in looking after it and making sure it didn't boil over because um, there's times when referees maybe try to be the centre of attention he kind of stayed well out of it. But um, we're a competitive bunch. And as you said, we're a small, tight-knit group. Um, and, and we ride for each other and we fight for each other. So um, that showed on the pitch today. 
Now, as a player, it's rare that you go again within 48 hours at this level, but you've known it for a week or so, and there was no midweek latch uh, last week. How are you feeling, you and the boys? You good to go again at Dover? Yeah, we're good to go. It's all about, it's a mindset thing, you know? So as much as we've got a game in 48 hours, if we was losing, it might be a daunting prospect. But now that we're winning and we're on a roll, and we're looking forward to every game that's coming. So as I say, it's a mindset shift, um, and we're looking forward to it. We're going to go there and try and win again. Um, and that's all we can really do. Put the performances in, and hope for the best. I love the, the comment from Luke Garrett as well. He said he was sitting down with a beer and a curry to watch Dover. Now, when I do that, I tend to fall asleep, so hopefully he didn't nod off during watching Dover's game at Maidenhead. And certainly he didn't do because he picked up tips, as you said, Rob. They got the three points done. And um, are we seeing a different side to Bournemouth this year? We know they're like good on the eye, they're, they're good to watch, but they're keeping it tight at the back as well now, aren't they? Yeah, I, I, I do think there's a hammer blow, isn't it? We've talked about it from the other point of view, from Chesterfield's point of view, but to lose Kabongo Shimanga right at the eve of the season. But... Fair play to them. They, they, they've not let that uh, affect the start of their season. Um, they keep it very, very tight. He's, he's, he's harping on about clean sheets. And uh, if you get a clean sheet, you're going to go at least a point and then you have a great chance if you take one or more chances to come along of, the, of, the, um, of all three. Someone who had a relatively quiet day on Saturday against his former side all shot was Josh Reese, And uh, Josh is a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few times. I've caught up briefly with him as well just after the game. I couldn't come to Meadow Park without uh, catching up with, uh, well, not just a friend, friend of the podcast uh, and, and a friend, of course, of, uh, of those supporting Aldershot Town, Josh Reese. Um, Josh, first and foremost, aside from the game, um, it's tough, isn't it, sometimes in football? You had a cracking season last year. You walked away with all the, all the silverware. But as I think you've, you, you, you've uh, tried to explain on, on Twitter and stuff, um, it's just uh, more suitable for you on a practical level, isn't it, to come to Borenwood and uh, and you're applying your trade here? Yeah, no, I think I made it clear logistically it was very difficult last year. I think within the, the pandemic made it slightly easier. Um, and I knew that from when I signed. And in the end, it was a great season. I really enjoyed myself, um, albeit without any fans in the ground for a couple of games. I came to a great club. Had a really good season, played uh, play with some good players under uh, a real good management team. And uh, yeah, football is tough. I said it's in an ideal world, you'd like to stay at a club, do like a Ryan Giggs and stay there your whole career. But it's just not, especially at this level, very difficult. So uh, yeah, and uh, obviously when we got the fixtures, I knew sort of the first home game. So I thought, yeah, so it was a it was a it was a tough one already, but. Uh, yeah, I know. Good to, good to see some familiar faces again. Today. Good, solid start for Borenwood. You've had a 2-0 away win and now a 1-0 win at home to a uh, pretty resilient-looking Aldershot town. So you must be pleased with the start. Yeah, yeah. Um, last week we were very good away from home. Um, today, slightly different. Uh, I think look, we're, we're a very resilient team built on strong foundations, a lot of experience in there and the quality comes through at the right time and it did It did today, credit to Aldershot I think we knew they were going to be a tough test so we watched the game against Chesterfield and they applied themselves really well and said a bit of quality in the end undone them last week and we just knew if we could stay in the game we'd get the chances um, I thought Mitch was outstanding today to be fair, he kept us at bay um, a couple of times uh, but yeah look we've had a we've had a good start uh, it's early early days yet but we've got a building it got Dover on Monday so yeah hopefully another said three points yeah that was Josh Reese and of course we wish him wish him and Bournemouth well for the season yeah there was there was two other sides who've got maximum points over the bank holiday weekend <coughs> Chesterfield we'll look at in a minute the Kabongo Shimanga Chesterfield and also Dagenham and Redbridge Chris yeah, and as you know, I saw Dagenham and Redbridge on the uh, opening day of the season last week, and they were they were fantastic. Actually, they they were they were really good, really impressive. Obviously, County took the lead in that game, and they came back and won it three one. And since then, um, they've won um, both games uh, by by two goals again. One player I did want to highlight: he came on uh, for the injured Angelo Balanta at County, and that's Josh Walker. He scored with his first touch at Edgeley Park and he scored two goals in two games since then. You've got him and McCallum firing. You've got someone like Will Wright, whose dead balls are absolutely fantastic. Probably one of the best in the league at hitting free kicks, corners, etc. cetera. Uh, the tough at the back, they look really good. I've got to say, um, I think at the start of the season, I was thinking that um, Daryl McMahon may be under pressure if the first 10 games didn't go according to plan. 
after the uh, they put a bit of money in last season. Uh, and so far, it's well, you, so far so good. Even better than that, <laughs> really. Yeah, and you've got to mention Matt Robinson as well. He was in fantastic goal-scoring form towards the end of last season. And he started with two in the first three as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, Dagenham and Redbridge. It, we So many times, boys, we see teams that are doing well towards the back half of the season. And then we then kind of think they'll do well the next season. It doesn't always happen, but it is happening with Dagenham. Only two additions to their squad and less than any other team. And that's because McMahon knows he's got it right for this level now. Yeah, yeah. and Rob, I, ju- I just mentioned a second ago about Balanta getting injured. When he went down, I thought, OK, he's a big, big player. What's going to happen to them in the next couple of games and other players have stepped up? So, yeah, totally agree. It's funny Chris mentioned about Darryl McMahon being under pressure. I know Rob last year, we had Darryl McMahon under pressure about three or four times, didn't we? <laughs> and then he, he pulled out a result and it just seemed to have gone from there then. Yeah, he does. And, and I, th- I think I said in our preview podcast this year, he'll need to start well. And my goodness, he has. Uh, a lot of people don't take too much notice of league tables at this stage, but for what it's worth, uh, they do sit top. Uh, and it's a fantastic, fantastic start for them. Um, as it has been for, for James Rose, Chesterfield, the other side who won all three and haven't conceded a goal yet. Uh, and two of those games away from home, both 2-0 wins at Aldershot um, on the opening day of the season and at Kings Lynn um, on uh, Bank Holiday Monday. And, and as you say, that man, Kabongo Shimanga, remember the days that people couldn't say his name? They can say it now because it's on their lips so often. Yeah, well, Rob, I think I think we mentioned on the uh, on our little WhatsApp group, is he the most... Um coveted striker in, in the league at the moment. He's certainly one that I've heard talked about lots of times in lots of press boxes that, that I've visited and his movement is fantastic. His finishing is deadly and what a player and what what a scoop to get him at the start of the season from, from James Rowe. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how it, it came about, but however it did, fantastic. What he does, Shimanga, he can hurt you in five, six, seven minutes of the game. It doesn't matter what he does the rest of it. Um, he can tend to drift out of games, but, uh, you know, when he hurts you, he hurts you. And, uh, yeah, he's he's one of, I think, four or five players, I'll uh, have it totted up towards the end of the review, but that have got three goals already in the opening uh, three or possibly two games for some of them. Um, but uh, he's, he's well underway. And, and like we said, he almost guarantees you 19, 20 goals a season at this level. And uh, this will probably be the last season for him at this level, whether he goes up with Chesterfield or somebody comes in for him. Because, you know, he doesn't have fitness or injury problems. He just does the job year in, year out. Just behind those front three are Woking FC, Halifax and Maidenhead. I mean, Maidenhead lost on Bank Holiday Monday, but we shouldn't be surprised that they're up in sixth. Woking maybe more so, and also Halifax, especially after Halifax lost to Maidenhead on the opening day of the season. We, we, we talked about the home form. They got a really good home win against Aldrigham on Bank Holiday Monday to back up their win on Saturday. And Woking, they had a standout result on Bank Holiday Monday. They bounced back from losing on Saturday. 4-0 away at Torquay. Yeah, uh, uh, without question, the result of the day on Bank Holiday Monday. Uh, Woking had lost at home on the Saturday in front of uh, well over 3,000 fans, by the way. Fantastic turnout there. Uh, but yeah, they got off to a flyer. Tavern, uh, Tarvin Campbell and uh, Rowan Hintz scoring in the first four minutes. Then Kiori or Chiori Johnson being sent off uh, for Torquay really didn't help their cause. But there was no sort of late comebacks in adversity from Torquay. Yeah, in fact, uh, it was Woking that went on in the second half to score again through Campbell. And then, uh, ironically, in that time added on as well from Kane Thompson Sumners. So, uh, you know, fair play to Douse. He's won two out of three. And do you notice a little pattern emerging, boys, for all the, the, the well-tipped sides that have started pretty well? Those three party poopers are up there in the top seven, aren't they? Halifax, Maidenhead. And uh, Woking, uh, fair play. Who wants to talk about uh, Halifax? Because uh, they've won two out of three as well. Yeah, I mean, neither of them were were, were, were rated particularly at the, at the start of the season. Um, it's, you know, it's such a tough division. You know, and the odds are always affected by, you know, size of fan base as well. You know, if, if, if half of Wrexham's fans decide to go 
put a bet on, you know, that that's going to affect the odds, isn't it? It's not the same, you know, if, if half of Maidenhead's fan base going to do the same thing. But um, yeah, they're, they're not the two sides we shouldn't ever count out of things. Yeah, there's actually, there's actually a nice link as well that you guys may not pick up on. It's a very subtle one, but Billy Waters at Halifax scores an absolutely cracking volley in this game. So look it up if you, if you can see it. And he was playing for Torquay last season. And that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, <clears throat> it's been a... Re- obviously, we're touching on the Woking scoreline being the shock of the day. It's, it's tough. It's very tough for Gary Johnson. He knows his level. You always think he's going to pull the rabbits out of the hat. But his, his side from last year has been decimated, isn't it? Camera's gone. The goalkeeper has gone. Um, and uh, Billy Waters, to be fair... He was released, I believe. Uh, I'm, I, I'm, I may be wrong on that. I'll double check it. But no, he was, Robin. A... It's, it's really surprising yeah. because when Cheltenham got promoted under Gary Johnson, he was a very prominent part of that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he's hit the ground running. Sometimes as a forward, if you do get goals early on, it can massively change things for you. Um, but uh, there's no doubt, obviously, uh, your man who's up at Stockport as well, Ben Whitfield, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he was, before his injury last year, he was heading to be the uh, the top uh, player in the National League. So, so really, he's lost four or five players of absolute quality, uh, Gary Johnson. And uh, initially, it's proving hard to replace them. Not only has he lost them, but he would have had a lot less time than everybody else because he was involved in that playoff final. And uh, I don't think that'll help. I'm sure they'll be absolutely fine, Torquay. But as you say, not too many of us in the pre-season predictions fancied them. So just behind them are Notts County and Wrexham. Notts County are just in the last playoff position as it stands. Obviously, it's early days because of goal difference and that is still 1-1. So see if that does change. In ninth place, Southend, they've played three games, one win, one draw and one defeat. And Chris, bit of a disappointing result for them away, drawing 0-0 away at Wheelstone and then after the 1-0 defeat at home to Stockport on Saturday. Yeah, I was surprised to see that because obviously I watched the uh, I watched the game on Saturday. Um, Stockport started really well. Uh, they had a really good half hour. Sort of backed off a little bit and invited um, Southend to, to to come at them a little bit. And then um, Southend were pretty awesome, actually. I've got to say, without actually scoring uh, in the second half. And when you've got someone like Reese Murphy. I, I couldn't believe it, actually. I was listening to the BT Sport comms on Saturday and they mentioned that the previous season, Southend United's top scorer scored three goals. <laughs> now, you've got serious problems if your top scorer scores three goals. There's normally more own goals than that in a, in a season, isn't there? Maybe own goals was the top scorer, but they've got someone like Reese Murphy in now and what an opportunity for the guy because he he's, he's a natural striker, isn't he? If he goes there and scores... Scores, you know, 10, 15, 20 goals this season. He's, he's automatically a legend. And um, Josh Coulson as well. Um, now, he was he was fantastic as well. A play with now, so play who's been there, done that, come out of this league before with teams. I thought that was a really astute signing. So after that performance on Saturday, I was really surprised to see that they'd gone to uh, Wheelston and, and drawn a blank again. And um, it's early days, but that'll be causing concern because they only scored... They the only scored uh, one against Kings Lynn as well, didn't they, on the uh, on the opening day through um, Sam Dolby. And I saw Sam Dolby at Council last season. He played a few games on loan and he doesn't look like a, a natural goal scorer to me. So, um, yeah, interesting early days for uh, for Phil Brown. Um, I'm sure they'll come good. I was I was quite impressed with them on um, on Saturday, so... Be interested to see where the season goes from here. It's an interesting one, Rob, isn't it? Because normally, like I say, they're in ninth place. And I think a lot of fans, a lot of Southampton fans will be disappointed that they only drew nil-nil at Wheelstone. But you see a lot of ex-league teams come down and go to the likes of Wheelstone and get turned over early on because they have the wrong attitude. So in a way, Phil Brown will be happy that they haven't lost and they have kept a clean sheet. He'll probably just want that a little bit more, won't he? Yeah, he will. I mean... <clears throat> To be honest with you, I, despite the fact that they've signed well Southend, I had a sneaky, sneaky uh, little hunch that they might go to Kings Lynn on the opening day and lose. They negotiated that really well with a 1-0 win. You've got a few different factors there. They have signed well, but they've still got a lot of players from a side that was relegated last season. And they've got to gel with the new players. 
And for all his experience in football management, as he admits himself, uh, the manager hasn't managed at this level before. So um, it might take a while for Southend to settle down. And for a side that's just come down uh, from uh, the Football League, I think four points out of nine is an acceptable return. So just behind them, then, is, is Bromley. Uh, they Their only game before that had been a defeat and... They got a good win over Eastley, who are yet to win this season. Two two games, two defeats, but a good 3-0 win for Bromley. And uh, despite them finishing with 10 men, it, a good way to get off the mark there for Andy Woodman this year. Yeah, and goals for Alabi and, 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 and Whiteley and that man, Michael Cheek, he's uh, got two in the first three. And uh, that, that now, it's interesting, isn't it? They've won one, they've lost one, now they've won again. And they've had a pretty difficult start, Bromley, as well. Let's face it, the only side they have lost to is Dagenham, who are sitting top right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, on uh, Monday, they uh, they were already 2-0 up when they lost Luke Coulson, a straight red. But uh, the 10-man went on to score a third late on through Michael Cheek. So I think Andy Woodman would be very happy. Um, he probably would have loved to have got a point in that game against uh, Dagenham on Saturday. But uh, six points out of nine, uh, it's probably only two or three clubs and managers that wouldn't be happy with that. Yeah, Stockport and Grimsby are going to look to climb up the table. They play on Tuesday evening at Edgeley Park. So, Chris, obviously we mentioned Southend lost on TV to Stockport, can't we? We heard your views on Southend. What did you make of Stockport? It was certainly a much-needed result bouncing back from that home defeat against Dagenham. Yeah, Luke, I think that it was a hugely important and significant game, this one actually, on on, um, on Saturday for, for Simon Rusk and his team because I can't explain how disappointing uh, it was, uh, the, the 3-1 defeat at home against Dagenham Redbridge. Despite, we know now, obviously, after the first few games that Dagenham Redbridge are one of the front runners, but the, the mood going into the game and being 1-0 up on uh, against Dagenham Redbridge was was so happy and boisterous and full of promise that um, that it was a, really was a gut punch. So to bounce back in that way against Southend in front of a few hundred travelling fans who'd made the uh, the five hundred mile journey um, on TV as well was was really important. Um, I thought they played really well in in that first half an hour. Um, it was Ian Reiki who who come on from Villa who looked promising. To start off with, they made five changes. Ash Palmer and Jordan Keane were reunited again uh, at the back and they were fantastic. Ash Palmer in particular um, was really, really good. Um, Paddy Madden and Scott Quigley looked good together for the nine minutes that they were there. And then uh, Quigley pulled up with a hamstring injury, which looks uh, a bit worrying. Uh, Alex Reed came on. Um, so I thought it was a good performance. I think that Looking on social media afterwards, I think some of the fans think that um, Sam Rusk um, can get sometimes get a little bit uh, defensive uh, after the team have gone in front, um, and I'm inclined to agree sometimes. Um, but we'll see how it goes. It's it's very early days, and uh, it's going to be a huge game at Edgeley Park tomorrow at night against Grimsby. I believe Grimsby is bringing over a thousand fans, so it'll be. Uh, It'll feel like a big football league evening there again. Yeah, they sold out the away end Grimsby by all accounts. So, yeah, it should be a really good atmosphere there. Let's turn our attention. Sorry, go on. And just a really quick point on Stockport. Two things, really, Chris, looking on from far to lose a player to a hamstring injury like Quigley. That's a massive blow for most clubs in the league. That would absolutely kill them, wouldn't it? But uh, to be able to call upon off the bench, Alex Reid, one of the top four or five scorers in the National League last year, who's proven he can done it at that club, at that level. Um, and for me, quite rightly named man of the match on the day, uh, midfielder and friend of the podcast, Ryan Crowstar. Absolutely brilliant in the centre of midfield there. Um, I, I think for me, the question mark for Stockport is is going to come at Edgeley Park, where it's a bit indifferent, the home form, isn't it? And uh, in key matches at the end of last season and uh, at the start of this, um, so you've got to get it right at Edgeley Park. You're right, yeah, Rob. Uh, no, you're right, Rob. I was going to ask you that, Chris. With all the experience you got, they do seem to freeze a little bit, don't they, at Edgeley Park? Yeah, what I will say on that is, is that they haven't properly had fans in, really, apart from this first game of the season. I know there was a couple of games towards the end of last season, um, but that wasn't full. And I think, you know, six, 7,000 
against the, the bigger teams in the division might make a difference. Just quickly, if I may, on the Quigley-Reed thing, I thought I, when I went and saw them against Dagenham and Redbridge, I thought they missed someone like Quigley because they didn't really have an out ball um, to someone who was going to hold it up, lay it off and, um, and, br- and bring some runners in. And Alex Reed isn't that player. He's someone who runs behind uh, kind of thing. So they're very, very different players. And the two, Madden, Quigley, combination looks like it was going to work really well for me for me and again very quickly because I know we've got a lot to get through I think the emergence of two strikers up front like Quigley and Madden like Hyde and Mullin that we're watching is a kind of a new development it would it seems to me like a lot of the teams in the division are moving away from the old 4-2-3-1 that we saw a lot of a lot of uh, clubs playing to more of a sort of a 3-4-1-2 uh, formation this season. So we've got yeah, four, I've noticed that. Sorry, we've got four minutes left, so we can touch on the bottom briefly, I think, can't we, in that time? Or do you need a bit longer, Rob? <laughs> no, no, start, start, yeah. go for it. So we'll look, we'll look down at the bottom. As I mentioned earlier, recently I've lost two out of two. Dover at bottom, of course, they got minus 12 anyway, carried over from last season, but they've lost both games so far away at Maidenhead and on Bank Holiday Monday at home to Bournemouth, as we heard earlier. And also all the shots are down there. Rob Barnett are currently just out of the relegation zone on one point, despite being smacked by Notts County in the opening game of the season. But it is all the shots are in that final relegation place. And there are only three that go down this year. There are. Uh, only three that go down and of course Dover have started on minus 12 points and they've lost their first two games I saw a tweet from uh, Ricky Miller I've not been able to substantiate this but sort of um, saying it had been a difficult start with all the Covid problems Uh, so I don't know if they are missing key players Dover and that's not easy to compete they'd have been desperate to get off to a good start start wiping out that 12 point deficit they haven't done that um, and um, yeah, from Aldershot's point of view, well, I said to you pre-season, it was going to be a difficult challenge. The budget's been cut again. Um, they, they seem to have invested a little bit in the defence. They're looking solid for most of the time, but they haven't kept a clean shape yet. They've always conceded at least one. Um, and I think they went 255 minutes before they got their first goal. Thankfully, they did today. But yeah, 75 minutes in, and it was a smart, um, instinctive back header. Uh, an instinctive finish from Corey Andrews, who's on loan till January uh, from Wimbledon. That got shots level at one all. And do you know what? If I'd have been sitting here saying, look, shots have got their first goal and their first point, uh, I, I might have been OK about things. But unfortunately, self-destruct, five minutes later, they gave away a needless penalty, a little tug in the box, which the referee uh, spotted. Uh, and up stepped your man Joe Quigley to put the penalty away on top of the goal he'd finished well earlier. Um, it was, uh, as we said, a, a, a 1-0 defeat at Borenwood on, on Saturday too, um, and a really, really tough start for Aldershot, because I think there was a feeling that playing Yeovil on Monday, coming there with four or five players missing through suspension or injury, good players, key players, that it might be the one that get Aldershot season kick-started. It proved not to be... And right now it's looking like a long, hard season ahead. Um, as I've often done, chaps, um, in those situations where Aldershot get a beating, I go and find the striker that put him to the sword. And uh, I did get a very, very brief catch up with Joe Quigley after the game. Joe, you got your account up and running uh, on Saturday, but uh, you've increased that today and the side have got three points as well. You must be very pleased with your afternoon's work at Aldershot. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think um, getting that first win under the belt is um, is the main thing at the start of a season. Coming off the back of a season like last year with no fans and COVID breaks, etc. So to get to get the win is the main thing. And uh, your own form, um, got to be pleased with three and two. Keep that ratio up over the season. You'll be uh, you'll be up there with uh, the top scorers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully I can kick on and um, keep it coming. And if I get the service that I keep getting, then they'll keep coming. Managers got a lot of stick when things don't go right. Credit to Darren Saal. He changed the formation today. He put Yusuf on up front with you as well, so it was a bold and attacking move. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that I think that sort of stands for everyone in Yeovil. We're not ones to sit back. Yeah, no, we went for it in the end and um, it made a big difference bringing Yusuf on. I think it gives you that firepower and it puts them on the back foot and it showed. So Eastleigh were many people's dark horses as well. They've lost both games, not scored yet, conceded five. Will Ben Strevens be worried yet? No, it won't be the start he's been planning for. And uh, for Eastleigh, it's, it's frustrating. They didn't have a game on the first weekend. 
Uh, and then they've had to suddenly go Saturday, Monday against two very, very good sides in Wrexham and Bromley. So I think from Ben Strevens' point of view, he'll probably keep the dressing room together, um, prepare hard this week and uh, see if they can get their season started uh, next weekend. Eastleigh, along with Dover, the only two teams that haven't got a goal or a point yet. Chris, I know you wanted to uh, pick out Weymouth. They had the result of the day in your eyes, that 3-1 win over Maidenhead, followed up that 1-0 defeat that they had up at Grimsby on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely a result of, of the day for me. Didn't have, doesn't have the curb appeal of a lot of the other fixtures this, this weekend, but the fact that Weymouth hadn't won their first two games and, and Maidenhead had, this was uh, a result that I, w- I wasn't really expecting and um, it looked like it was quite straightforward. And when I watched, or when I heard um, Brian Stott's post-match interview, he also confirmed it was, uh, they dominated for 90 minutes, although he would be biased. But uh, yeah, that was the result of the day for me, just purely because of what had gone before. And just as we finish looking at the National League section, could confirm it's Wrexham 1, Notts County 1. So it's as you were, as I mentioned before, Notts County 7th, Wrexham in 8th. Let's just have a quick talk about that then briefly. I mean, uh, really good game, first of all, to watch, wasn't it? We've had our eyes on it while we've been recording. Uh, Quality's been really high, hasn't it? It has, and two very, very high-quality headers for different reasons. Wootens, because the cross was good, but he still had a lot to do. And he almost got swerve on the header. A fantastic headed goal from Kyle Wooten. Uh, and at the other end, real bravery from uh, uh, Paul Mullin. Putting his head right in where it hurts. Knowing that the goalkeeper probably had a 60-40 of getting to that ball and getting something on it. Um, and heading it home. Ultimately, it's ended that way. I'm sure a lot of those other sides chasing up near the top will be quite pleased. It has finished at one all. But Chris, we were saying before we went on air the standard of some of the clubs, some of the sides uh, in the National League now is almost unrecognisable from what it was five, six, seven, eight years ago, partly due to uh, the investment in this level, of course, but uh, uh, fantastic quality players coming to this league now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, we're attracting players from League One, League Two, so I guess you would think it it stands to reason that, that it wouldn't. To be honest, um, my sample size is, is quite small because I have only seen the, the sides that have invested so far this season. Uh, it, it's early days, but yeah, definitely from what I've seen, this does not look like um, a National League football from a few days, a few days ago, a few years ago to me. Dickie, I know you've been putting together the, the goal scoring charts and Cal Watton with that goal has now moved up into a, into joint first, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Yeah, there's. Uh, yeah, that makes it five players now jointly on um, on three goals each. So uh, yeah, firing at the start of the season. And and the real the main point for me about those uh, strikers, uh, with the exception of Quigley at Yeovil and Wooten at Notts County, the other three have all moved clubs. What a start for Josh Walker, Kabongo, Shimanga, and Billy Waters at their new clubs, all getting three in the first three uh, rounds of matches. Brill, well, let's move on to the National League North. I've looked after my kids since they were born. Now they've got kids, I still want to look after them. I don't want them struggling to make decisions about my money or my health if I can't. So we made a lasting power of attorney. Now, if I can't speak for myself, they'll speak for me. It's a weight off for all of us. Isn't it? Yes, mum. <laughs> <laughs> Lasting power of attorney. Search your voice, your decision. And in the National League North, it was, well, we're going to start off with York, I think, Dickie, because on Saturday evening, it was looking very precarious, wasn't it, for Steve Watson? He took the lead against Brackley. They, they ended up losing by two goals to one. And he went into this game with a lot of pressure on his shoulders, away at a very good Spennymore side. Yeah, he did. It, when, when you're in the need of a, a win, I wouldn't think going to Spennymore um, is particularly on anybody's uh, list of, of fixtures that they would have selected. But uh, yeah, Steve Watson's side, uh, they, they've come good for him today. 3-1, I think it was goals from... Um, uh, certainly Clayton Donaldson got one of them. Um, I think it was... Willoughby, Willoughby. 
Willoughby and Beck. Yeah, so three, I think that was the one area that I really noted that York had strengthened in the summer is they really seemed to have gone in um, uh, uh, a lot heavier in, in their forward line and it, it, it's paid dividends today. But yeah, they, they really needed that because, I mean, another home loss on Saturday, that's two defeats into this season at their new NER Community Stadium. That's a bit of a mouthful. Um and yeah, that I mean, they were looking good for a point on Saturday until Leon Love from Brackley poked in, I think, with about a minute left on the clock. And um, and yeah, that did for York on the day, but they've bounced back today. At least they've not come off the rails, eh, at LNER, so... <laughs> well, it's it's tailor-made, isn't it, now, you know, with, with, uh, for that kind of thing? Yeah, That's they're on track. track. They're on track. <laughs> Definitely they're on track, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned Brackley there, Dickie. They're just one of two sides who have got a 100% record themselves and filed who have won four out of four so far. And so they've had very good bank holiday weekends, haven't they? Yeah, they have. They're, they're both still 100%. I'll touch on Brackley in a minute. I think theirs is probably slightly the less expected and maybe possibly the the better starting context as well. Filed, it isn't a surprise to see them at the top of the division. They were they were one of the favourites to go up and they, they crushed Hereford on Saturday 4-1. Two goals from Nick Horton, including one from a free kick, which I think has been seen on, on social media quite a lot, catching Brandon Hall completely unawares. Uh, two of the goals from Stephen Dobby and Joe Piggott um, and just a reply from Miles Story for Hereford. Dobby and Piggott were on target again today. They had a 2-1 win over Southport at Mill Farm. They had to do it a bit the hard way this time. Um, Southport were ahead through Jordan Archer in the first half. Dobby levelled the scores. Ben Tollett then got a straight red card for Files, so they're down to 10 men. But Piggott scored early in the second half and, and they hung on to the points to make it 12 from 12. Um, yeah, Brackley, exactly the same for them. I think what makes it more notable for me is that they've had three away wins out of their four. Now, that's a little bit of a quirk of the start of the season. They were due to play Lamington. Lamington had COVID cases, so um, had to not play for the first two Saturdays of the season. And that would have left, um, I think Darlington had COVID cases as well. So that would have left Brackley and Alfreton both with a free Saturday. They brought forward a fixture from a Tuesday night in March, a Tuesday night in March, which was Brackley away at Alfreton and Brackley won that one. So they had three away wins on the bounce, including that one at York on Saturday. So today was their first home match um, and they collected all three points from that one as well. Same two men on target as as who were on target on Saturday in Lee and Love and Matt Lowe, except the other way round. And Love scored first today. Lowe added the second. Junior English got a goal back for Leamington three minutes from time with a back heel, but yeah, not enough for them. And Brackley and your uh, Brackley and Foiled, excuse me. Yeah, they sit top of the pile at the moment. I just want to say, guys, Chris, Robbie. I mean, it, it's great as well that the clubs in the National League have been a bit more imaginative, haven't they? So we saw it with Wrexham and Solihull Moors. If if a team can manage to put fixtures together, two teams who have got three Saturdays, if they can manage to play each other, it's all the better for it, isn't it? Yeah, it just makes common sense, doesn't it? And I think that you know, I. I, for one, hope we might have a COVID-free season. That's backfired on me personally, but uh, but also there's uh, the clubs are still struggling with it as well. So yes, if you can be creative around fixtures, you're probably going to have to be, and it'll it'll um, it'll stand you in good stead um, towards the end of the season if if fixtures come um, would have come piling up. And uh, just before we go back to Dicky to talk about the side in third place, uh, uh, Kidderminster, I just want to say. For the National Leagues, Halifax uh, and Woking, etc. In the National League North, look no further than Curzon and Ashton, Blythe Spartans and Kettering Town, who were well sprinkled amongst our uh, our predictions for the bottom four. And there they all set in the top seven. But back over to you, Dickie. Tell us about Kidderminster. They've had a good start too. Yeah, they have. Kidderminster sitting in third place. Uh, I think they've got 10 points, so they're, they're undefeated at the moment. Three wins and one draw, so Russ Penn's got them going in the right direction. Um, they had a, a the draw came on Saturday at Southport. They one-all draw there, a game of two penalties with Ashley Hemmings putting them ahead and Marcus Carvery rising in the second half. A really good win for them today, though they beat one of the teams that most people would fancy to be up there towards the end of the season as well in Chester, 
a 3-1 win at Agra, goals from Amari Sterling, uh, a goal from Mark Carrington, which I gather um, it, it is quite a thumping effort from outside the penalty area. We'll look forward to seeing that one on the highlights. And a third goal of the season for Sam Austin, that put them in control. A John Johnson penalty in injury time, just academic for Chester. So, yeah, Kidminster off to a terrific start and, and they're followed closely by that pack you've mentioned behind on seven points each in Curzon, Ashton, Gateshead, Blythe and Kettering. Uh, Gateshead only played three fixtures for their seven points uh, compared to four games played for the other. But I would think the managers of all of those sides would be would be reasonably happy with the starts that they've made. I mean, certainly in Curzon Ashton's case, I mean, they had a great win midweek away last week at Chester, a 3-0 win, uh, including two goals in that one from Adam Thomas, uh, Craig Hobson, I think, with a third. And and yeah, absolutely loving that score. And, 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 and likewise, that's not what you're expecting from Chester at this point of the season. Um, Gates said they're going ahead nicely under, under Mike Williamson. Uh, Kettering Town, they had a, I think they lost on Saturday, but had a win today away at Gloucester City, which was a really surprising result. Um, I've, I've Probably seen the result of the out. day, would you say, Dickie? I would think so. In terms of being unexpected, I've seen a comment from um, Alex Petherham, the, the, the Gloucester City chairman. I think they had a gate of over 2,000 again at Gloucester, which is is testament to the work that he's put in there and 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 the and the expectation of bringing the football club back to the city of Gloucester. But they didn't quite have. Uh, uh, it was a little bit after the Lord May show. They won their first home game against York City 4-0. But yeah, I don't, I don't think they would have been expecting that result today. And, and that, that's a great result for Kettering Town. Two goals from Callum Powell, uh, speedy little winger that they've got there. And and yeah, Paul Cox will be really, really pleased with that result, I would think. Blythe and of Gates the, said Dickie, sir. I was going to say you saw Blythe at first hand on Saturday, didn't you? I did see Blythe at first hand on Saturday. Yeah, um, my uh, Telford team travelled to Blythe on Saturday. Um, on the wrong end of a, a 2-0 defeat, ultimately. And, and Blythe, I know because of how Blythe have gone in the last couple of seasons, that there was a feeling that perhaps COVID on two occasions has maybe saved them from, from relegation. But um, Michael Nelson's done a good job there. He brought in JJ O'Donnell from Gateshead on loan last season. He's kept his services for this season. Um, he's tempted Robbie Dale out of retirement. Um, Dan Maguire has gone back to the club. Nathan Buddle's gone there from Spennymore. Um, and there's, some of the players that left, I think, went with Alan Armstrong when he went to Darlington have returned. I think Blythe are going to be a much better and much stiffer opposition for a lot of teams this season, which Telford found out on Saturday, um, losing two goals to nil. And afterwards, I spoke to Blythe manager Michael Nelson. I spoke to the boys at half-time and said that we felt the only way they were going to get something out of the game was, was by one of our mistakes or a, a set play. Um, so we just told them that concentration would probably win us the game. Um, and credit to the lads they were patient they, they kept the concentration and um, I think our fitness levels probably told in the end and uh, we, we wore them down and, and got the two goals and almost sort of written in the stars you know a, a player who's been a thorn in the side of Telford many times Robbie Dale um, and you, you've tempted about every time for this season and, and, and he, he breaks the deadlock for you yeah he's um, you know he's a great player Robbie um, his fitness levels are good um, the players look up to him for, for what he's achieved at this club um, and you know I spoke about calmness um, and you couldn't have got a calmer person on the football pitch for, for that ball to, to fall to in the in the 86th, 87th minute and a, a great finish from him and, um, and you know I think that'll uh, adhere him to the fans even more He's been there and seen it, seen it all, done it all hasn't he so yeah, if, if it's going to fall to anybody he's, he's the perfect man I mean um, any prospect of having to go and scrub the, mur- the mural off the wall now that he's uh, back out of retirement? No, um, he might. If he keeps going like that, he might end up getting another one on the other side of the ground. So, no, look, he's um, he's, a, he's obviously a club legend, and uh, you know he's lasted the full ninety minutes today, and he he drops into into pockets to get the ball. He was in between the two centre halves at some points before the um, before we scored, and then he pops up in the box with a with a great finish. So. Um, no, he's brilliant, and like I say, the lads feed off him and, and really respond well to him. Not just about him, though, is it, in your side? I mean, you, you've obviously had quite a big rebuild, um, and like players like JJ O'Donnell, you, you brought in last season, have stayed around, and you know, and you've brought Dan Maguire back, and, uh, and, and the likes of Nathan Buddle. So, um, 
you look a very different side this season. Yeah, JJ had two great chances. Um, keeper made a great save, and, and I think JJ hit the post with a rebound. And then um, five minutes later, he he had another chance, and the keeper makes a great save. And you know that's what JJ brings. He'll, he'll get in the box and he'll get your goals. I thought Nicky Devidix was was outstanding today. I thought he he absolutely controlled the, the middle of the park. Um, and he's another one who's just a very calm head. And like you say, we've brought in some 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 real quality. Um, and at the minute, they're, they're delivering more than not. So um, we've had two very pleasing home games and a, a disappointing away game. So we go away on Monday and, and hopefully carry today's performance into Monday. I can say six points out of nine, and the kind of start you'd be looking for. Yeah, um, like I say, the the Kidderminster game away from home, we were disappointed with. Um, just because we didn't didn't play our game, um, I think today you're seeing that we get the ball down, we pass it around. Um, we didn't do that at Kidderminster, but we've played against two pretty direct sides at home, um, Alfreton and then Telford today. You know, slowed everything down. Um, even the substitutions, uh, you know, players not ready to come on and trying to frustrate everyone. The crowd were getting frustrated, but you know, the the lads, to their credit, on the pitch stayed very calm, um, and I think that told in the end. Yeah, it was a really good interview that Dickie. Really enjoyed it. And like you say, the, the Robbie Dale Muriel might be turning into a statue soon. He's 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 had more comebacks than Sinatra, I think. Can he, Robbie Dale? I think he's on something like approaching six hundred and fifty games for Blythe now. I, I, I would say I, I don't know whether I should say this or not. I think he's clearly not held in too much reverence by every Blythe fan. We we did happen to see a fan. Um, relieving himself on the mural around the corner from the chip shop as we left the ground on Saturday. So that's, that's, that's uh, they might want to sort of have a look on the CCTV for that one because he's he's not, um, uh, yes, uh, universally held in that esteem or, or maybe just the call of nature overcame his reverence for 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 Robbie. But um, yeah, I mean it's a, it's a striking looking mural and, and yeah, he's there doing it again. He scored the goal in the 86th minute, which ultimately set them up for a two 0 win and. Um, you know, Michael Nelson, you know, he said in that interview, he, he's thrilled to have him there because of the the impact that he has on the other players in that dressing room and the, and the standards that he that he expects and, and gets from them. What time exactly was that to check the CCTV? <laughs> that was probably a, that was probably about 5.45 on Saturday evening. Yes. So. <laughs> I'd, I'd just finished taking my photograph, thankfully. Otherwise, he'd have, he'd appeared on that one as well. But uh, yeah, it, it, Blythe. I think in the last couple of seasons, I wouldn't exactly say a soft touch, but it had more of the feeling of the old Blythe Spartans on Saturday. Um, the crowd there at Croft Park loved to get into it. They loved to sort of like let referees know their displeasure at, at, at certain decisions as they're being made, and, and, and try and get the referee on side. And and and. And Croft Park will be a hard place to go again this season. It's always a long journey. And I know managers try to say, well, look, you know, we accept the journey. We know we've got to go there. I don't sort of like take that as an excuse from my players. But when you get off the bus after a 200 mile odd long journey and and you walk into that kind of um, of atmosphere and, you know, perhaps concede an early goal. You can see a lot of teams' heads going down thinking, let's just get back on the bus and get out of here. And that suits Blythe down to the ground. And the other team, Gate, said as well, a really good weekend for them. I must just say, if you get a chance on social media to see the penalty save from the game at Chester, the double penalty save, it was unbelievable, wasn't it? They got a draw at Chester and they got a victory on Bank Holiday Monday. Yeah, they did. And, and you know, say Mike Williamson is... Um, I think they are still one of the full-time sides in the division, so we would expect them to be up there towards the end of the season. They've made some good acquisitions in this uh, close season as well. Um, they've brought in Adam Campbell from Darlington, who I think was one of Darlington's standout players. Um, I think the lad um, Scott that they've got up front as well, um, he's he's banged in a couple of goals for them as, ready, uh, as well. So Gateshead will be... a, a it's again another difficult place to go, um, and I fancy them to be in the playoff places again at the end of the season. Down at the bottom, Dickie, a, a bit of a bit of a surprise certainly with Darlington. I know they've only played two games, but they've played two, lost two, and also Bradford Park. Having you were down there, I know they were a couple of seasons ago. Looks as though they maybe picked up at the start of last season, but they're down there again at the start of this season. 
Yeah, they are. Darlington, I don't know if that's quite so much of a surprise to me. Again, they've only played two games. They 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 lost a couple of fixtures right at the start because of having an accumulation of positive COVID tests because, again, a, a, a Telford trip to Darlington on the opening day didn't happen. So um, um, that's why they've only played two. I, I gather from um, reading comments from um, Craig Stoddard, who, who covers them up there, that, that Alan Armstrong's been struggling to get defensive covering over the close season and by all accounts they were fairly wretched uh, defensively in a 3-2 home loss to Alfreton on Saturday. Um, Bradford Park Avenue again they've only completed two games as well but not quite the same circumstances. You must make a mention here for Avenue midfielder Jake Hibbs. He uh, suffered a badly broken leg in the early minutes of their game at Chorley on Saturday which meant that I think it took I think he was still on the pitch something like an hour or so later being um, you know, tended by the, the ambulance crew that, that did eventually arrive, although I don't think they were there. Um, you know, They weren't at the ground at the time. I think it took a little while for one to get there. That game was abandoned at half-time. Obviously, there was no prospect of that going ahead. And Avenue went down 2-1 at home today to Boston United. Boston have had a good bank holiday weekend. They'd lost their first two, um, but they won on Saturday and they've had another win today. Um, I know Jake Wright, I think, got at least one of their goals. Have to clear up some confusion here. They've got two Jake Wrights this season. Oh, God. (laughs) I know. They have 35-year-old Jake Wright in the centre of their defence and they have Jake Wright up front. I think they've taken to differentiating them as calling one Jake Wright Jr. and Jake Wright Sr., which makes them sound like their father and son to me. (laughs) I think think with a 10-year age gap, I think that might be... Uh, unlikely and I know that's definitely not the case but yeah Boston have, have have got themselves back on track a little bit again today um and I'll get to see what they look like on Saturday because I'm off there with Telford thanks for that Dickie let's move on and look now at the National League South so in the National League South there is only one team with a 100% record and that is Dartford isn't it Rob yeah they're absolutely smashing it they've got a two-point lead already Four wins out of four. Yeah, they uh, they've started, and I, and I know we'll come on to Dorking in a, in a little while. They've not started so well. We talked about the Dorking and Dartford, the, the the key you know title contenders for this season. And after just four games, not only did Dartford have a two point lead over the second place side, but they have eight points already ahead of Dorking. So not the best start for Dorking. We'll come on to them shortly. But Dartford over the bank holiday weekend. Uh, well, they got it done um, on uh, Saturday. They went on their travels to Dulwich Hamlet and won 2-0. A result, if you take Monday's games involving Dulwich Hamlet into account, was a very, very good result. And then a 3-1 win at home to Eastbourne Borough means that Steve King is the only manager in the National League South with max- maximum points so far. 11 goals scored in the four games and just two conceded. Ominous. We're, we're kind of expecting this a little bit, weren't we, Rob? A little bit, yeah. But I, I, I must admit, I did think Dawkins would go toe to toe from him. Although he couldn't join us this evening, uh, Tom, who's you know probably the, of the five of us, the one most across the National League South, particularly as he's watching it week in, week out with uh, Hampton and Richmond Borough, he said he wasn't that impressed with uh, Dawkins' uh, signings. And over the bank holiday weekend, they've got a two-all draw away to Braintree, and then they've lost 2-1 at home to Hungerford Town. So uh, um, that will be not what uh, Mark White was looking for, zero points from those two games. He'd have been banking on six. So you've got to do a bit of head-scratching there. I know after that first weekend defeat, he was talking about big-time Charlies, and uh, or I think he used a different word. Um, but um, the hottest on Dartford's heels are Maidstone. Uh, they've got 10 points from the four games and over the bank holiday weekend, uh, they beat Billericay 1-0 at home and uh, then they drew one all at uh, Hampton and Richmond on uh, bank holiday Monday. We had a quick word from uh, Tom Lang about that game uh, and he said his gut feeling is that he thinks that uh, Hampton and Richmond might be the better side over the course of the season. But having had a couple of defeats and Maidstone coming into the game on maximum points, he felt it was a good draw for Hampton and Richmond Borough. Yeah, I saw Maidstone uh, in pre-season and, and they looked okay, it was fair to say. Um, and it was a goal from Rory Deacon 
on at 76 minutes. It looked like it won the three points for Maidstone at Hampton and Richmond Borough, but Ryan Gondo equalised just four minutes later in that game. Uh, Hungerford, again, going really well this season, aren't they, Rob? Uh, they're in ninth. Currently, they've won two, lost one, and they were the team who did beat Dorking at Dorking. Yeah, it was quite a staggering result. Um, you, you don't expect Dorking to lose at home full stop. Um, what makes it all the more bizarre is that Hungerford had lost 3-1 at home to Tunbridge Angels on um, Saturday. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people ready to write Tunbridge Angels off, but, uh, uh, you know, they're not doing, they're not doing too badly. Um, they picked up three points from their first three games um, and there's four sides behind them in the table. So they're going to make a fist of it uh, this season. That's for sure. Um, looking at the other places, Probably the surprise, the biggest surprise team. Tom will probably tell you different um, in the playoff places in the National League South at the moment are Chippenham. They beat Haven't and Waterlooville 1-0 on uh, Bank Holiday Monday. Fantastic result there, having won 1-0 at Slough Town. So I think we've probably got to make Chippenham uh, the team of the weekend in the National League South. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fantastic result for Chipping and nobody expected that, especially after the their opening day draw. Uh, Braintree, another side up there, who many expected to maybe struggle. Uh, they've got three draws out of four so far. They had a two-two with Bill Ricky in the Essex Derby. Uh, interesting down at the bottom. Welling. I mean, we I I predict him to go down. They've had three really bad defeats so far, but they uh, they only went and won. They only went on one on uh, Bancardi Monday, beating Concord Rangers by two goals to one. Concord, who started off the season very well. And then Hemel Hempstead, who have also lost four out of four now. They ran into Dulwich Hamlet, who'd had a draw and a defeat up until Bancardi Monday. But Dulwich went down one six nil. That's an incredible result. Yeah, that is. I think, you know, one or two people thought Dulwich might go well this season. They haven't had uh, a fantastic start, but... Uh, that's uh, their first win of the season. And uh, yeah, um, doesn't look good for Hemel. Minus 13 goal difference, bottom of the league without a point after the first four games. And it's not a side you expect to see down there and struggling like that. So uh, we'll keep a close eye on them as we go forward. We, are, we were concerned about Villaricky. Um, obviously, the, uh, the, the major investment left there a couple of seasons ago. Um, and they've had a couple of changes of management as well, haven't they? And uh, it's fair to say that prior to that investment, they, they were probably punching above their weight to be at this level, weren't they? So um, we'll have to see if they can uh, uh, find some momentum in terms of their fight. And Slough, that was the big debate. I must admit, I watched the pre-season. I thought they'd be all right. But uh, just the one win so far from uh, their opening fixtures. On Bank Holiday Monday, they didn't actually have a game Slough, but obviously they'd lost 1-0 at home to Chippenham and... Uh, that would have been frustrating for them because they would have wanted to get straight back on it. And St Albans, we thought, would start well. Um, but uh, ultimately, um, they, they lost the first couple, but a 5-0 win against Welling on Saturday. And then the game, obviously, as we said, postponed against uh, Tunbridge on Monday. Yeah, they were up they were 1-0 up in that game against Tunbridge. But uh, there was an, a, a similar to the National League North when the game got abandoned due to a nasty injury to Jake Hibbs. Uh, there was a nasty injury to... Devante Stanley and uh, again the game was delayed there and eventually abandoned so we wish him well and uh, yes Albans ultimately didn't get the three points on this occasion but it is it's very intriguing very interesting in the National League South this year isn't it? Yeah it's not quite as we thought it would be uh, one or two sides going better than we thought one or two struggling um, and I do I mean you you have to feel that uh, Dorkin will sort themselves out. But uh, it's been a wretched start for them and uh, um, they'll be looking to make ground over the coming weeks and, and hang on because it does look as if, uh, if if they don't get their act together soon, Dartford would be away and over the hill, won't they? <laughs> yeah, and finally, Bath, I know that was a result that surprised you, Rob, a 5-1 defeat at Oxford City. Yeah, I don't think uh, uh, I saw that coming. Certainly Tom didn't. He reckoned it was the uh, shot result of the day as well. Um, prior to that, two wins out of three for Bath. They're very much in touch with six points, but uh, they won the first two and now lost the second two. So uh, something's not quite right there at Bath. But let's flip it over and say that's uh, a great result for Oxford City. You started the season with three draws. And always say when you have a run of draws, the real 
take on that run of draws is on the next result that isn't a draw. And when you've drawn three games on the trot and you win, all of a sudden, you're unbeaten in four. And uh, yeah, fair play to Oxford City. I think one or two people didn't really fancy them this year, but uh, they've had a good start. Yeah, well, uh, that is it. Thank you very much, Rob. And uh, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, pleasure as always. And uh, particularly, it's been a tiring one this weekend with the two games, but uh, we've set up nicely and uh, uh, not the results that I wanted to see, but uh, fascinating the way it's uh, unravelling. And uh, it, it was kind of fun tonight watching the uh, Wrexham and Notts County game unfold while we were doing the pod. Uh, I think those two unquestionably are going to be up there for the course of the season. Chris, thanks for joining us. Hope you're feeling better soon. Cheers, guys. And Dickie, like Rob says, none of us are getting any younger. It does does get harder on these bank holidays, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It does. I mean, you know, a a double roundup um, straight, you know, after a a second set of games on a Monday. But yeah, it's all good fun as well, isn't it, though? You know, it's great to have uh, it's great to have the season back. It's great to have fans back as well, more than anything else. You know, the, the, it might have been a goalless draw, the, the, the Telford game that I was at today with Hereford, but seeing that played out in front of 1,700 fans, making a noise inside the stadium and getting involved with it, if I think what that game would have been like in front of an empty stadium last season, goodness me, I, I doubt you'd have actually, actually got me on the podcast because you'd probably still be trying to get me to wake up from that, to be perfectly honest. But um, yeah, it's 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 great to, to be back. It's great to be back with you guys. And uh, we've got an awful lot more to look forward to. Great note to finish on. Thank you very much for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to us and give us a follow on at NL Full Time on Twitter and also on Instagram. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>